I'm the next best to reach a peak formerly known as the best kept secret. I guess that I just leaked it. I said that all kinds of wrong. It's from one of my favorite jams. I bet you can't guess what it is. What's up, what's up, what's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? What's up, what's up, what's up? Row, row like a dungeon dragon. Change your little drawers because your pants are sagging. Yeah. November 4th, 2019, I sat in my extra bedroom around 6 p.m. Maybe it was earlier because it was done. No, that was the episode that I did that, the first episode. November 4th, 2019, I was sitting in front of my computer and I pressed publish on my podcast trailer. And I got four listens that day. Let me see where we're at. I want to let you listen to some typing. Because this is a different kind of episode. Twenty-six thousand three hundred and sixteen listens later. Here we are. It's been a year, y'all. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I can't believe, I can't believe I was, I can't believe I'm doing this. This shit is so stupid. No one's going to listen to this. Why am I doing this, man? Just leave the divorce alone, man. Who cares? It's over with. Like, just move on. She has, everybody else has. Why you keep talking about it? I'm so glad I did not listen to that stupidness that was in my head. I was, and, and I actually spoke it. I spoke it into the microphone before I pressed publish on my first episode, which happened a week after I published the trailer on November 4th. I'm so glad I didn't listen to me. I remember I was talking to a young lady that hasn't yet made it to the podcast and probably will not. Um, we were running, just running together. Friends, I thought, friendly, running. And we were talking and she said, you know, men are like, what's it like being divorced? Because like men are like wilding out here. It's so hard to date in your 40s. I mean, this is someone hadn't dated, you know, had never been married. It's so hard to date men in their 40s. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure dating with dating divorced men talking about my growth. I'm sure it's hard dating divorced men because divorced men are just wreaking havoc on the dating scene. She was like, man, let me tell you, like fire starters just burning down everything. Right. I was like, yeah, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Because we're dealing with so much trauma and we're so hurt. We just hurt. And I mean, I know that's a lame excuse. Hurt people hurt people. And, you know, when is that going? When is that going to stop like mattering? And when are you going to go man up and stop living in the past? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which is why you got to take time off from all of that dating and trying to get yours and work on you so you can stop being a bull in a china shop, a proverbial bull in a china shop, mashing up people's emotions and feelings and vulnerabilities as you plow about trying to figure out up from down. Because it's really that confusing for someone in that space, man or woman. In my travels, doing this podcast, I meet people all the time. And, you know, not in person as COVID, um, but I meet people and interact with them. And I hear I hear the, 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 the petulance and the wanting to be through the pain and the fire. And, the, and and I hear it because I was there. I remember the enthusiasms, as Robert De Niro said in The Untouchables. I remember the enthusiasms that I had when I was like, yes, I figured it out. 
It's time to work. It's time to be healed. I am ready. Yay. And then splat. Because you don't declare yourself healed. You don't declare yourself working on something. You just work on something. You know, one of my boys used to tell me that. And I was like, man, why don't you shut up? Every time I say something to you, you just shooting me down. But he was right. You ain't got to talk about what you're doing. You just got to do it. And the thing is, you know, you will know when you're doing the thing when it's over. You will know when you look back and man and be like, dang, I did that thing. But you don't know it while you're doing it. You definitely don't know it while you're doing it because you're too busy caught up. <sighs> or at least you should be caught up in the work of you, not announcing it, not proclaiming it, not even making an effort on a, you know, maybe making an effort in the idea that I'll meditate for an hour a day. I'll write in my journal for an hour a day, but not like I doth decree. I am healed. I doth decree. I will move mountains to make myself a better human being. Cause let me tell you, when you call that out to the universe, the universe is like, yeah, let's see how good you really are. The universe says, Hey, God, Siddhartha, Whoever, hold my beer. This joker down here is talking about what they about to do. Let's see if they really know what they're talking about, if they're just full of shit. I was very much full of shit over and over and over again. Every time I read a book, I've done it. Every time I read a, you know, whatever, in a, on, a, on the internet, I'm ready. Whenever I got a text message, I'm ready. If my ex smiled at me, we're getting back together. Whatever it might be, I took so much and just ran full speed with it. I didn't get it together until I was like, for lack of a better word, for everybody. And when I sat down and was willing to sit in the uncomfortable stuff and be ashy and ashen and feel the prickliness and the discomfort of this thing called growth, allowing myself to be pruned and, and, and lamenting the pain of things being cut away, wondering why they're being removed from me, but then celebrating their their absence it wasn't until i started recognizing that that i began to move into this space where i started to be able to make light of what was happening to me in order to create this story episode webisode sim what is it called serial to present to you so let's talk about it so why did i do this i did this primarily as i've shared on a more than one occasion a friend of mine amber wright great lady lives in california she's a communication specialist she's working on her phd she's awesome for those of you who follow me on instagram you may have seen me do a couple of lives with her during the summertime where we were recapping uh most of the episodes of insecure uh hosted and produced created and produced and written and acted in by the amazing Issa ray so we did this little series but prior to that my good good friend who is worth her weight in gold was kind enough to give me free consultation for a few weeks in the fall leading up to that you know to the podcast and she said you know listening to you you've got multiple stories all the stories I'm not going to share here but she said you know you should create a guide a letter to your former self about and give it to younger men so that they don't make the same mistakes you do did I mean they will because you can't tell nobody nothing because they think they know better than you or they think they will do better than you but I just didn't want to write it. I may have shared this in a previous episode, but I just didn't want to write it. I didn't want to write anymore. I was like, no one's going to understand my story if it's written. I mean, they'll understand it, but they're going to put their spin on it. They're going to read with their voice. They need to hear my voice. They need to hear the influx, influctuations and the 
Is that the right word? No, that is not the right word. The, the, the nuances of my voice, the energy that I put out when I'm describing a certain scenario. And, you know, I think they need to hear the story as narrated by the narrator that is experiencing the shenanigans, the messiness, the good times, the bad times, the painful times, the crying times. And I remember what she said, like a guide. And I was like, yeah, dating guy. But I mean, I mean, doesn't everybody have a dating guy? Mars Venus was out when I was like in my 20s. And then I realized, you know, I could do a dating after divorce guide. And the only reason I talk about my ex the way that I do is not because I've got some sort of axe to grind with her. Thank God I don't. I mean, there was a time when I did. And I, I mean, let me tell you, everything that I wrote, everything that I produced just sounded like some crazy manifesto against her, me, my past, whatever. It was just a lamentation. If there was an extra book in the Bible called Lamentations by Eric Payne, that would have been me in that book. But ultimately, what I want, what uh, the reason that I mentioned my ex and a couple, couple of people asked me, they're like, why are you talking about her? Are you, I mean, when are you ever going to be over? I'm like, yo, it's not that. People who listen to this don't know anything about me. So if I just start talking like I'm dating without context, they're not going to know why I think the way that I think or why I'm, you know, having the reactions to these things. I mean, it might not matter why they think what they think it may not matter what they think rather but I want to give context as a man who was rejected and didn't want a divorce this is why I'm in my feelings this way this is why I'm reacting this way this is why I'm doing what I'm doing without the context of what I went through and it was an extremely abridged version of what I went through then oh did you hear my stomach (laughs) I went through an extremely abridged version of what I went through well You know, that gives the context so that you know moving forward. And that's why I only spent two episodes on it. And that's why, you know, it it showed up again later while we were having arguments, because then that's that's another part of dating after divorce is dealing with the ex. I think I've been fortunate because she has never encountered anyone I've ever dated. But then. My God, what did I eat? Um, Or may actually I need to eat. Um, But. Wow. Okay. One more time. And then we're out. Um, she hasn't, thankfully hasn't, uh, interacted with anybody that I've dated with, but dated, but at the same time, no one's really been around that long. And I haven't been around them that long for that to even happen. Um, cause I've pretty much met almost all of her boyfriends and interacted with them. And, uh, you know, for those of you out here who are listening and like, how can you do that? How can you say that so calmly? I hope you get to that point. Because when you do get to that point, you are going to be freer than a mofo. Trust me. But that's not what this is about. This is about what this podcast is about. So first and foremost, you might be wondering about the title. I mean, about, well, I gave you the info about the title. Second, secondly, the intro music. Well, you know, if it's a survival guide, then what are you surviving? I mean, you're surviving something that's potentially threatening. One of the most threatening things that I can think of is uh besides falling down the stairs and chipping my two front teeth on the bottom stair and which is always what i wake up before that that all i wake up before that happens when i experience that in my dreams but the very one of the things that i think is particularly scary or challenging that would require survival is a jungle so hence you have the jungle music Another key thing is that there's birds that live in the tree outside my house. Actually, I take up, I'm, I pay them rent. I live on their property and they wake me up 
in the morning. I know it's morning based on when they start chirping and they start chirping like crazy. And a lot of times during my podcast, you'll hear the birds. Those birds are not add-ins. Those birds are real, but it fits perfectly. Um, And I love them. I mean, when I'm on the phone with people, people are like, are you outside? I'm like, no, those are the birds. Those are my name. Those are my those are my landlords. You know, I'm their tenant. But I needed it to be something to survive. So you got to survive the jungle of dating because it is a jungle. You got all kind of factions of, you know, people. You know, if you were in a jungle, jungle book, you know, uh, he, the, the, the protagonist, Mowgli, Mowgli, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. You know, you had to go through all these different challenges and, you know, contend with different tribes of animals. I mean, it's the same thing when you're dating. You have to contend with different tribes of individuals, young people, old people, damaged people, not damaged people, clingy people, emotionally distant people. There's a lot that you have to deal with. And if you're not glued on straight, you'll just take it all in. (sighs) So let's drop that trailer for you. I mean, not trailer. So let's drop that intro music because that's the first thing. And I think music and sound effects and whatever makes everything come alive. And I call it a fully immersive two-dimensional experience. Two-dimensional versus three-dimensional because, hey, you can't see me. Or you can't see anything that I'm seeing when I'm telling this story. But you can hear it and you can pretty much interact with it and, you know, almost place yourself there and imagine what it would look like if you were there watching. So let's hit you with that intro music. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's in getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate in getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more. Music is such a key to this podcast. I mean, there are just tracks that I love. And what I think I'm going to do to kind of ride out this ex- this this ep- this bonus episode is to play my favorite tracks, snippets from them, and comment on them, and then send you on your way. The intro is actually a combination of tracks put together. It's not one thing, so it's the jungle sound effect with the birds tweeting and so on and so forth and then there's like a congo drum pack beat that i sourced well in advance of the podcast and i was gonna play each separately because you know i was new to all of this stuff so i figured well i play the jungle and then i play the congo beat and then something just caused me to say well why don't you just put the two together and see what it sounds like and then you know like an old historical video made by some white archaeologist or whatever why don't you talk in a very distilled educational retracted voice that has you distant from the 
disgust and distant and full of disgust and disdain for this jungle experience that you are actually having to endure. Hence, welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. And that's kind of how that happened. And then I had to find something that just kind of really embodied the, the, the spirit and the energy of what I was going through or what I felt someone who was going through a transformation, a metamorphosis, a metamorphosis, a metamorphosis or chrysalis, but living in the big city and being urban and having some swag to them. I had to what embodied that. And I searched, I searched, I searched, I searched far wide and low for this track. I mean, I was looking at trap music. I was looking at hip hop beats. I was looking at classic hip hop beats. I was looking at, uh, you know, like how much stuff costs. I was looking at songs. I mean, I had at least 20 songs lined up to be the theme music for the podcast. Not the intro music, but the theme music. And then I found this little ditty called Food for Your Neo Soul. And when I heard it, I was like, that's it. It's optimistic. It's got some energy to it. It's got some, like, I'm walking down the street. I'm walking down, you hear the car in the background. I'm walking down the street. The city is playing to my, it's my soundtrack. I'm walking down the street. Clippity-clop, clop, clop, clippity-clop, clop, clop. I'm looking up at the skyscrapers and I'm saying, hey, the world is mine. Not like Nas's whose world is this. I'd never be able to clear that and get that on the show. And if I tried to put it on the show, they'd sue me out my socks. But something that was just, you know, looking up at the sky. The world is mine. and It's my oyster. And the time is now. And I've got big boy pants on. And and that's where, that's where that came from. All right, season two was a little bit different, right? Because the thing that I was trying to do with season two was you know I was trying to grow the brand I was trying to grow the story I mean the first the first season was very uh the first season was 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 a serial meaning I was telling a story but it was still episodic like I had themes for every episode and I told the story according to the themes I told I inserted the stories that I was going through according to the the themes that I was trying to introduce and by luck by chance with the exception of one person, my great friend, Christy Crowder, everyone that I had lined up for the show kind of backed out. They didn't back out. They just didn't have the time when they said they'd be available. I was I was determined to stick to my production schedule because I figured that would be the only way to build a, a legitimate following and a great audience is to have is to stick to is stick to is to stick to a production schedule. For season two, I wanted to I wanted to just tell a straight story. Like, although Wookiee Penub in All the Wrong Places is probably one of the top performing episodes outside of the first two of the first season. So Wookiee Penub was where I was talking about online dating. But I lined a whole bunch and I lined them up in chronological order, but they didn't happen simultaneously. They didn't happen, you know, back to back to back the way I was telling the story. It was more like a, hey, guys, this is this was my this was my dating experience. The white girl loved me, you know crazy christian girl blah 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 whatever whoever they were you know what i mean and it was all kind of packed into one episode which is why the episode ran long but that's not really how my life happened i'm sure that's not how anybody's life happens you go to work you go to church a week passes two weeks pass you meet somebody you date them it don't work out 
you meet somebody again, you date them, it don't work out. But time is passing. It's not boom, 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 click, boom, click, boom, click. It's life, life, date, life, date, 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 life, life, date, 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 life, life, date, date. It's a nice little beat there. Anyway, so the thing about it was that I went through some pretty dark periods and it gets even darker moving beyond season two. But season two is when I decided that I was going to do what I wanted to do when I decided that hunting was something that I was going to explore to the fullest. And I was like, well, what hunts? I mean, lions and tigers hunt, but I ain't no lion. I mean, my favorite animal is a cheetah, but cheetahs don't really make any sound. The sound they make is kind of weird. I mean, it's more about the fact that they're fast. You know, they they hiss like cats hiss, but I'm going to do hiss. I'm going to hiss. It'll make no sense. Like, people are like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be a snake? Like, um, so, or they do whatever that thing is that cats do. They go, like that kind of thing. But I wasn't going to do that. That would have been ridiculous. And I was like, well, what hunts? What inspires fear? What is what is like singularly focused on its prey? And after doing a little bit of research, because, you know, I, I researched my show, um, I came up with the gray wolf. So I spent a little time getting to know the gray wolf over, you know, a week or two. And one of the things that I don't know that I knew or had never even really considered was, yeah, like wolves are like hunting ass hunters. And they're the, you know, the forefathers of dogs after bears. And they're the adult version of a dog. A dog is an adolescent. Even at its oldest, a dog is an adolescent wolf. Meaning it, and I had a wolf person tell me this, meaning like an animal, animal, not a vet. One of those people that really studies animals. I mean, vets definitely study animals, but like, you know, the people that like wear the safari clothes. I'm like terrible today with like describing people. I don't know what is going on with my vocabulary right now. Anyway, it was described to me that wolves are adult dogs are adult are teenage versions of wolves so they seek affection they seek the the play and the touch and all the rest of that meanwhile a real wolf and i and i I was at stone mountain park and the guy was explaining this to me my children my child was with me and one of her friends and there was some little puppy wolves around and they were cool but he was like yeah they ain't gonna be paying no they don't care like they won't they care right now but they won't because wolves, don't, they don't seek that kind of attention and affection of, of man. But as I studied about the wolf, one of the things that I found to be com- curiously interesting, which meant that it was kismet for me, was that the wolf has a strong sense of community. The wolf has a strong sense of family. And a wolf, unless their mate is killed, a wolf stays with their mate. Once they mate, that's it. And they build family around it. Now, the children, they can go, you know, I think, I think it's, it's anybody's guess, someone who knows better than me, what the non-alpha wolves do. But I thought that that was so cool and that they build community around the family that they create and they stay together. I mean, the kids, some kids do leave and go, pups do leave. I mean, once they get older, do leave and create their own packs. But I thought that that was cool. And I was like, yo, that's me. But, you know, I was trying to trick y'all a little bit. So I was like, well, uh, you know, a wolf is 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 a terrifying animal because they are. I mean, the movies portray them to be terrifying. And I mean, shoot, if I was outside with a wolf, I'm like, this wolf ain't trying to build no community with me. 
I'd be, well, I would be still because the second that I'd run, I'd be done. So I'd be still. I don't know. Maybe I'd play dead or maybe I'd climb a tree. I don't know. Anyway, I had to try to figure out what was going to represent what a wolf, wolf in where <laughs> this is going to sound real like teenage movie. I had to find something that was going to represent wolf energy, but not be like over the top. Something that was like strong, brooding, hunting, reflective, mature, but like don't mess with me too much because if you get too, too close, you're going to get burned. You might lose a hand. You might lose a finger. You might lose a heart. And I found this track, a hip hop track, uh, a hip hop uh, beat pack. And inside of it was called Dark Hip Hop. You know, these things were the, the, the one place where I was sourcing was from another country. And a lot of their titles were very suspect when it came to uh, naming urban things. But, uh, you know, whatever. I'll blame it on like cultural dissonance. Anyway, this track is called Dark Hip Hop, and this was the music that was the beginning of uh, season two. Besides the trailer with the hammering, because I figured, you know, the spikes of what pain and anger and anguish and all the rest of that is, those are spikes that get driven into you. For those of you who remember the trailer for season, season two, I had railroad, it was a, the sound effect was someone hammering railroad ties into the ground. And those railroad ties represented some level of pain that was being hammered into me that I then was lashing out at everybody else with. But this track, uh, Dark Hip Hop, is the theme for season two. The Grey Wolf was a badass wolf and he be wolfing like a wolf should because why because he know he bad at being a badass wolf you get the hint i wish you could see me right now in my little closet studio because i am like dancing to all of this stuff um doing kids dances like tiktok dances uh, I'm kind of pulling it off too. I mean, I ain't got no mirror around, but I think I'm pulling it off. My daughter, of course, would tell me otherwise, but I think I'm pulling it off. I discovered this great dude. Uh, I think he's a dude. I don't know. Epic the Dawn. Great drum, great tracks, like a great beat maker, great, great beat maker. And then I just started layering his music into my, his or her music into my episodes at towards the end of season two, because I mean, they were just dope. I mean, there was one called Boondocks. It's just different. And I mean, how do you resist something called the Boondocks? It's one of my favorite cartoons ever. So, like, just the title by itself meant that I was going to have to include it. And this one is called Get Bars or Got Bars. Got Bars 2, actually. So this one is called Got Bars 2. And the thing about this one is that I just like the energy around it. And it just kind of spoke to the the pain and the sorrow and the energy and the pain and the sorrow and the anger that I was going through at the time. And it hopefully conveyed it as I played it in the episode that I played it in. And 
the thing is that I like about this dude is that all of his music, all of his beats are like so swaggy. Like they've got so much like, I mean, they're beats. So there's a certain pattern and a cadence to them that's very familiar to him that is very easy to pick up on once you listen to all of them at the same time. However, there's like this, this like real, it's, it's neo soul, it's hip hop, it's, it's brooding. It's got like this, a slight dash of hopefulness to it, but like a little bit of an edge too, that just like keeps you uncomfortable and not sure what's going to happen next. And that's just kind of like what life is when you're, you know, starting over brand new. And discovering yourself and discovering that your value and knowing that you are actually better than you may have thought you were or better than what someone told you you were. And then there's not quite, not quite, not quite hit special. It hit, it hit real special because, I mean, that's when I was telling the story about me and me being with the uh, C-suite lady. And let me tell you. When I talk about sexy, when I talk about having a sexy experience, I mean, you know, like, like, look, I'm of a certain age, right? So 49 to be exact. I celebrated my birthday in September. I'm a Libra, Libra gang gang. Uh, You get to a point where it ain't, I mean, skills, sex, whatever aside, not having a conversation about that. Talking about the ambiance. Let me tell you, when I was with that woman, and Lord forget, Lord spare me right now for any future bay wife that hears this and like, well, who in the hell is she, sweet lady? Um, when I tell you that was a some some romantic ass, sexy ass, like, oh my God. The city of New York as your backdrop, Lady Liberty outside the window, city lights, water, like I am all of that. I am city, I am water, I am pier, I am skyscraper, I am concrete jungle. Oh, I mean, and the way she talked to me and so on and so forth. Not going to give away what happened next, but you know, the way, because season two ends on, on her, but Woo, man, I'm getting stuffy because it's uh, the fall and my seasonal uh, sinus infection is coming. So I'm not going to keep this too much longer. Man, let me tell you, I'm sure that everyone married, single, divorced, otherwise has had and had had that one or two or three amazing ambiance type of experiences that's the word ambiance it was atmosphere it was it was it was it was everything in terms of just energy like her energy matched my energy and that's just something that doesn't really happen very often for me and i wasn't even at full capacity at that point meaning like i had my full value i mean i still haven't discovered my full value yet you know because that's self-determined but it kicked back it kicked not back because it wasn't there before it kicked it kicked in and she was right there she was right there 
she was right there with the same level of energy. She was like, oh, I'll volley that back to you. Oh, I'll knock that back on you. You got what? What? You ain't talking about nothing. Check this out. You like atmosphere? Look out my window. It's just amazing. Like, I mean, I like I can go right back to that moment, right back to that room, right back to the, uh, the, the feel of the cold tile on my feet, marble tile on my feet. Like, it was just awesome. I'm not saying she was awesome, Future Bay. I'm saying it was awesome. All right. Be great. Be amazing. Be wonderful. Be incredible. Be honest. Be authentic. Be powerful. Be beautiful. Be true. Communicate. Hug. Love. Let people know how, you're, how you feel. Be vulnerable. Share yourself with others. And if they smack you back, walk away. Don't insist that people be things that they are clearly showing you they are incapable of being. Love your neighbor. Love yourself first, though, because you can't do anything for your neighbor if you can't take care of yourself. And you don't even know what love looks like if you don't know how to love yourself. You're just imagining it, or you're just pretending what you think it should be based on something that you've seen somebody else do. But until you know your love of yourself, and I'm not talking about masturbation, until you know love of yourself, you will never know how what it means to care for anybody else. Because you got to care for yourself first. Because that's the only way you can draw boundaries and set yourself up for success. I know I sound a little hyped, because I'm hyped. It's a one-year anniversary. I can't believe I did it. Like, when I used to blog, my blog, man, I had thousands of posts by the time I was done with my blog. But podcasting? Podcasting is a pain in the you-know-what as far as production. I mean, especially since I don't have a team. I'm no Joe Rogan. This has been a pain. Every episode takes roughly a week to produce. And the amount of editing energy that I put into these things to make them what they should be. Whew, I am so thankful that I have been able to get through this year of this podcast. I'm so thankful that I've built the audience that I've built. I'm so thankful that I have the listens and downloads and the subscribership that I do. I'm so thankful and grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. And I look forward to continuing the story with you for season three. We may have some very big things in store for season three. Not sure yet. I'm talking to some people. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway. I left the last and most important thing out. Be you.